0: Ali, it is so great to get to catch up with you. Um, Thanks for joining. So excited to have this conversation.
1: Actually, thank you so much for uh, giving me this forum to uh, communicate with you. I'm happy to add my voice to the uh, rest of the court who I'm sure you've spoken to at this time.
0: Um, We've done about half, and it's going to be so much fun. Um, I'd love to start, and I don't think I actually know how you would think of this is if you think about the work that you do and you take an industry and pair it with what would it be and so that's the first question Mm
1: -hmm. so the two industries that my work spans uh, in the technical arena it's biotech and ai I've gotten into commercialization and financial aspects of both of those, but they're still largely in those two industries.
0: And as you think about how people outside of your world perceive the work that you do, uh, what are things that we ought to know that we don't or things that are happening that are exciting that you wish everybody knew about?
1: So given the two fields that I mentioned, I will give one from each uh so first in the in the area of uh biotech I'll specifically hit on crispr and gene therapy so some folks know about the field uh and uh, some followed it for a while about crispr's breakthrough and and developments and some only have heard about it from what happened uh, in the case of the Chinese scientist who created the CRISPR-edited babies, I think uh, this t- gene editing and gene therapy are things that anybody, uh, uh, everybody needs to be uh, have an understanding about because, uh, yes, the work that was done by the Chinese scientist was reckless, but it did show the power of what can be done, and it's effective and thoughtful use uh, as long as the industry is able to price it right can have a massive impact on human life uh, that'll be felt across many different uh, countries so that's one uh, item that i think uh, i want to let people know about biotech on the ai side this is uh, something that i keep following and i'm going to be interested in seeing how it uh it resumes post the coronavirus is there is a uh, people may not know this but there's really a race on between the us and china in terms of ai and and intellectual property of ai Uh, china has uh, caught up tremendously in a field that the us has been working on for the last 50 odd years and it's um, it's if the the impact of this race and this and how the two countries are positioning um, and squaring off against each other in several aspects. Uh, it's, um, it's something to, that folks should uh, keep in mind because now everybody's talking about how AI can impact their business in, in, uh, in so many different ways. Uh, the um, third item, and this is not going to be surprising, uh, it, uh, post-COVID, For biotech as well as AI, I think it's going to have an impact on both of these fields that a lot of IPOs will be shelved and companies will likely have to license out or abandon outright non-core projects that could burn cash because uh, most companies right now are focused on cash flows and, and preserving cash. but. What that'll mean is, uh, folks that are investing or in a position to buy up a lot of uh, property can do so. So uh, that might impact how investments go post COVID pretty rapidly. So those are two uh, things I wanted to mention. One on one for biotech, one for, and one for the generalists uh, that might impact who will fall in the financials.
0: There's so much to dig into. Um, any one of those things. Uh, But one follow-up question, help me understand what the arms race in AI between different countries looks like. Why is that important for someone like me who is like, one, not really tech savvy, two, like I live in my own little world, I do sales and marketing, why should I care about this arms race uh, in AI?
1: So to give you an example, uh, in if you're in sales and marketing, uh, let's say you're, you're working, I'm sure you're working with a company like, uh, with Salesforce, uh, they might be providing some analytics tools to you that the underlying algorithm or the underlying approaches are covered under some, uh, family of patents or a specific patent. And if the cut, if, the, the different countries that own these patents were to ever to get into an intellectual property battle between each other, then the consumer would be, uh, would lose out that you'd actually have features that you had relied on before being replaced by substandard features or not existing anymore. Now this has happened in the past, uh, in, um, in, in products, but, um, as, as just a bystander who might benefit from if, if there were no walled gardens, uh, that's the reason why I think it would have, uh, it would be important. And also, uh, the race also has implications of, uh, data security, uh, because, um, whether you look at the EU, you look at the U S you look at China, AI and its relationship to data security has different meanings. So whoever owns the biggest, uh, piece of the pie for AI will likely be, be setting the standards for the then subsequent world to follow. So, uh, that's going to be critical as well, because if, if Europe were to be the dictator to be the leading power in AI, then, uh, the European union's regulations on data security and uh, how much data that you and everybody else, or anybody who has a cell phone generates, how that can be used has its limitations, while in the US, it's different. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I'm i really fascinated by um, how you got into the work that you do. Um, What did you imagine that you'd be doing this kind of work? What inspired you to take the career path that you did?
1: So, I started off as a computer engineer and then branched into biomedical engineer engineering. And my parents promoted my natural curiosity. Uh, It's not going to be surprising that I was as a kid that would always take things apart and try to put them together. And I did this to a number of things around my house and. There's a myriad of uh, old pictures of uh, me with uh, with piles of, uh, of gadgets taken apart. And uh, that curiosity, my parents fostered. And uh, uh, growing up uh, in the 80s in, in Bangladesh, uh, I was fascinated by a lot of uh, movies and cartoons coming out of the U.S. and... Uh for, uh for some reason or, or, or other, I always enjoyed the depiction of fusion of man and machine, whether you talk about things like uh, the Terminator movie franchise, uh, cartoons like Robotech, or um, even Quest for, for those who know about Johnny Quest. Uh, those uh, uh, items kind of uh, inspired me to dig into both of these fields.
0: Fast forward. How does that take you from Bangladesh to Boston? Okay,
1: so I was uh, in the. I came to the U.S. for college, so I was uh, uh, in came into the U.S. Uh, two thousand one, and I was uh, going to my uh, uh, going to school in New Jersey, and I was working for a professor in undergrad in two thousand four. Uh, so I began as a computer engineering major, and I was doing things which now, every, now what people would call AI, it was just machine learning algorithms. And uh, the specific project, that the and this was actually something that I, I, something I couldn't get done. The professor actually asked me to uh, analyze a set of uh, data coming out of his lab, and I couldn't make any heads or tails out of it. So as a result of that, the professor switched me over to a project to make uh, biosensors instead, and so that was my branch into bio. And as uh, you're, you're aware of, uh, bio the, the probably the biggest bio hubs in the U.S. are in the Bay Area and in Boston. And I took a detour to North Carolina to get my PhD, and then wound up in Boston because of. Uh, so many of the bio companies being here. Um, so that's my trajectory from going from uh, Bangladesh by way of New Jersey and North Carolina to Massachusetts.
0: That's fascinating. Um, as, as you look back, uh, and I think you mentioned one of these before, can you think of um, a, f- a failure that set you up for the kind of success that you had, that looking back you think of as your favorite mistake?
1: Well, actually the one that I, one that I was, uh, yeah, in a way, the first project that that professor during my undergrad set me to do that machine learning, uh, project where I thought I really was, I was go hitting my head against the wall. Couldn't make uh, heads or tails of the data because it was so noisy. Uh, if I, if that work had gone smoothly, then I would have primarily stayed on, uh, as, uh signals processing or just like data analysis person wouldn't have made the switch over to bio it was that failure and then the professor wanting to use my skills in a in a bio project that got me started into it because prior to that i wasn't uh i hadn't had bio in my thinking
0: and also um good to have Someone who looks for skill or projects to match your skills, like that's gotta have been incredibly lucky.
1: Yeah, he was an amazing mentor. I think it's more so that uh, he saw, I guess, my skill sets beyond perhaps better than even I did. Um, And he had, he was a great mentor and somebody who I'm in touch with even now.
0: I'm um, switching gears a little bit. As you think about the way that you live, the way that you work, um, what are some of the guiding principles that that you follow, or that uh, things that come up often, either in terms of quotes or sayings, or or just things that guide the, the operating system that is your head.
1: Makes sense. Uh, so. I'll step back a little bit. Uh, my dad's a, an engineer. My mom used to teach language. And uh, no surprise, she was a fan of, uh, of uh, Rovindan Uh She used to sing uh, his songs. And uh, being from Bangladesh, you hear a lot of his uh, uh, quotes attributed to him or things that are from his writings. And one that uh, uh, my uh, mother would say to me from time to time, and uh, you're probably familiar with the Bengali version of this as well, Akshay, is you can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. And huh. so that's, you know, she used that to, or my uh, my parents would say that just if you want to, do something, just get started with it. And uh, that's really how I approach my mental thinking, that uh, oftentimes if I see a way of getting my hands dirty and something that I want to get done, I will do so as opposed to uh, thinking and contemplating it. So, Which is probably why I'm more of a empirical person than uh, than Purely analytical.
0: This perhaps lends itself nicely to my following question, which is, as you think about, or maybe people tell you about, um, unusual habits of yours um, that you enjoy, uh, what would you say those are? Or a habit?
1: So let's see i uh, i tend to uh do things when uh, <laughs> uh people would uh, not like me to do um and uh, this can be you know i'll give the more the the personal life uh, items on the unusual habits um case in point uh a few days ago the uh the microwave had been broken and uh, instead of getting somebody into the house to fix it i decided to take it apart and figure out how to fix a microwave on my own although my wife would have liked it if i hadn't spent the two hours to fix that um and or then flipping that piece of natural curiosity uh you know when um um our energies were uh, getting to be very big uh i think this was like what 2008 2009 they really hit the market um right and uh, during that time i'd done i had done a um, a 30-hour road trip uh and on the first leg i bought a ton of fiber energies and uh then, on the second leg, I figured, "Hey, why don't I just spoon instant coffee into my mouth so um, this is perhaps um, a bizarre example that um even to this day, when I'm driving long distances, I'll actually absurdly spoon instant coffee as opposed to going to the more tried and true fiber energies because <laughs> give me the same effects. <laughs> That's awesome! You get Ooh. yourself a, a two-dollar in some ca- in some coffee bottle, and that'll last me much longer than you know, the little shots of uh, five energies. It's gross, but hey.
0: So, so going back to the microwave, is it fixed now? It's fixed. Dang! You should have like uh, a YouTube channel of that or something.
1: I, I could have, you know, and, like, and I was telling. Uh, who's I telling that um somebody from work and uh and actually I was telling Brad uh, that uh, my teammate that uh, um I had uh, it, this whole uh, doing things around the house and installing appliances have become my thing during the uh, during the quarantine I'm sure others have gotten into it as well but my house has benefited by having a whole house humidification system installed uh microwaves taken apart and put back together so that's amazing i've become my own contractor
0: (laughs) Uh, so clearly you're very good at taking things apart and putting them back together again in presumably a better more functioning shape but when things aren't going right um when you're feeling unfocused or frustrated um what do you do to recenter
1: so, yeah, there's definitely, this is it's a great question. Uh, there's actually a lot of times when, you know, you'd feel overwhelmed and uh, there's really three um, escalating uh, approaches for uh, how I uh, re- try to recenter myself. One is... Uh, doing something physical like working out or running that will help me get my mind back on track Uh, I will uh, or otherwise I'll take a break and play with my son uh, and he will show me that pause of of, uh, whatever it is that's getting me overwhelmed and just seeing him pick up something new and on like a daily weekly monthly basis is uh is very satisfying and it gives gives me focus and determination and thirdly is um is um, getting a moment to think meditate pray that helps me focus as well
0: That's fascinating um your we, we mentioned it uh, we would talk before we started recording that you're fasting. Uh, is that something that you do every year? Um, how, how does that play into your, your being?
1: So I have a lot of things to be grateful about. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I try to do the fast, my, um, I, I, uh, you know, there's been times when I haven't been as, uh, as diligent, uh, but I think, uh, over the last, uh, couple of years, I think there's more, uh, I think I need to be more diligent so that, uh, whatever is attributable, the power of prayer, uh, under, you know, giving the best possible chance to the machinations of the universe, um, I try to stay on top of it, um, and yes, it is uh, now a part of my being that uh, you know that I have always been uh, spiritual, and uh, you know every religion is, is like a different um, what a different language of the same uh, of the same dialogue, um, but yes, I going back to your question, it's. It is. Uh, it is now a core part of me.
0: Has Has there been any? Um, you know, the last couple of years have been very momentous for almost all of us. Kellogg's a big deal. You've also um, added a son to your family. Uh, in the midst of all this, have you Have you added any principles? Um, in in to your life that feel like have enriched them or um, in general that that you work a little bit differently than you did let's say five years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. And so if if you um, I'll connect this answer to a previous answer. If you go back to the Robin quote uh you know that quote instructs you to do to take control of things to really steer the ship where you want to go and to get started on that and that's where most of my mindset has been uh and and I think everybody in the court everybody in the Kellogg Kemba program uh, most people are Type A's who like to take control, take charge, and and get on with things. But uh, I think I've had to you know, this is, uh, to use a term, you know, have to, had to realize that everyone has a sphere of concern that is larger than their sphere of control. So, and I've made peace in leaving some things to, you know, however the universe wants to let it be and fate, or whether you call it fate or know uh something cosmic um, and I've made peace with myself that some things I just have to pray for uh, and won't have any control over uh, It centers around the thinking for my son uh, when my wife's water broke at 26 weeks and uh, you know the first ultrasound I saw my son was a uh, uh, of him being a p- one pound. Um, inside of a room um, that was you know there wasn't much that I could do uh, she could do or any of the uh, doctors uh, could do. It was just a matter of uh, wait and see. So uh, I think it's two odds that have come now to a happy medium. The, the take control, be the type A, and then when things are out of your out of your control, just stay uplifted and uplift those around you and pray. And hope for the best
0: yeah my next question um as you look at your nightstand or your kindle um or your podcast app what are you consuming intellectually right now that you're most excited about
1: so uh, there's a myriad of different things um one is um, fascinated by fiction. So, the Netflix series The Witcher uh, got me started on the Witcher series of books. So, I'm listening to that on Audible. Uh, I still like reading a lot of uh, printed books um, and uh, just like the tactile feedback of books. So The Lowland by uh, Jumpaleri's one that I'm going through now. And thirdly, and this is from one of the Kellogg classes, uh, Professor milan Rao uh, got me really uh, hooked into his value investing class. So The Intelligent Investors, uh, another book that I'm going through.
0: That's... Um quite a span that's really cool have um, you read the bonne um i don't maybe i'm not sure i've i've read some of her work but i'm uh, i i don't is is that a newer one it's uh, it, it is one of the newer ones yeah so then i probably haven't read it i read a lot of her stuff um, when i was in when i was in college and shortly thereafter mm mm-hmm. mhm That might be a good one to go back to, actually.
1: I'm actually um, on the first third of it of the book, and it's really good.
0: Hmm. I'm reading a book um, called The Library Book right Uh, now. Um, It is it's a combination of the history of libraries in America plus uh, centers around the library fire in Los Angeles in 1986. Um, It was one of the biggest library fires in the world, destroyed a million books. Hmm. Um, And and so I'm I'm about halfway through that. It's very fascinating.
1: What's the take on the, uh, what's the synopsis of the
0: book? Um, it, It seems to be a history of libraries in one part. And it intertwines this particular case of the Los Angeles fire, But it's got, it's got profiles of the kinds of librarians that ran the place, which is far more interesting than I thought it would be. Mm. Um, And it's for my book club. Um, I've got a book club in Atlanta that I go to. So. You know,
1: it's like, um, you know, I think of, uh, I think you and I both must have been impacted by libraries. Uh, You probably have been uh to british council libraries yeah not so uh i definitely went to those and uh i remember um clubs that my father was a member of would there be uh, some of them would have libraries and i would go and spend um, hours there but i um i think it'd be sad if uh people in the future couldn't experience that almost church-like experience of being in a library I think it has a different, um, different right. atmosphere that you can't quite create in the digital world.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll send you the link. I think, you, I think you'd enjoy that book. Um, we've been jamming for a while. Um, one question that I'm asking everyone, which is, as you think about the future, let's say three, five years from now, what happening today makes you most hopeful for that future
1: so somebody uh so somebody sent me an article on the things to stay positive about in the world um, during this coronavirus epidemic and uh, one of the lines had uh, had really um, like uh, I might I might not be recalling this uh, correctly, but I think it sh- uh, it highlighted during the coronavirus that doctors from one country are flying to another country to help. And I think the the case was something like doctors from Cuba are flying to Italy to help uh, uh, help uh, uh, you know combat the pandemic, and that initiative. Gives me hope that yes, we have continuous blame gaming, even in the during this uh, epidemic, as to who did what, and what, uh, and who didn't do what. But there's still empathy and wanting to help others. That gives me hope for uh, for the next five years.
0: That's a cheery note to end on. Um, thank you. This has been. Such a treat to get to hang out with you this afternoon and catch up and record this.
1: I appreciate you uh, having this conversation with me.